new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. What's up, guys? Welcome back to live episode number 33. I'm Jared Warren, your host here with Emilio Palafox, my co-pilot here on this journey to help you guys reach higher levels of peak performance. Emilio, I'm so excited to be here today, man. I don't know why I get so fired up for all podcasts, but just something about today, I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm feeling the same way. I'm so glad that you said that. Like, I'm on fire. I feel energized and charged right now. I've been doing a lot of demos recently the past two weeks, nonstop. Well, man, I am ready to rock and roll. But if you guys are loving the Success 101 podcast, I'd love for you guys. We'd be so appreciative for you to go over and give a rating and a review. Just take five minutes, go over to iTunes, make it happen. That is how Apple is going to find us in the charts. That's how we're going to make our way up to be more visibly known and get the word out about peak performance. So I certainly appreciate that from you guys. And thank you so much, those of you who have gone and done that. But I'm so excited to dig in. I've got my Hydra, hydrogen molecule here in the bottle, ready to rock and roll. And Emilio, I am going to dive into something today that has blown my mind over the last probably two weeks. I've been reading the book by Patrick McEwen called The Oxygen Advantage, which, you know, I came across this book. I saw it posted a couple of places And I'm so excited to get this out to you guys, but it's just so counterintuitive or almost backwards to the way that we think about breath work and breathing. Have you checked out that book? Have you heard anything about that book before? You know, I've heard about it in the Bulletproof community. You know, there's so many books these days that I'm like, okay, add to the list, add to the list, add to the list. I've heard about it, but I haven't been able to read it yet. So I'm glad that you're bringing that up. Yeah. And I didn't know this either until I started seeing it in one of the groups that I'm part of on Facebook where it's actually Bulletproof certified. So guys, as I mentioned, this might seem a little bit backwards, but you know, that's really a lot of the thinking out there. We have to retrain ourselves and think about different things when data is presented over a long period of time that shows us that maybe we are thinking wrong about things. But Emilio, we've always been taught that oxygen is good, carbon dioxide is bad, right? Our lungs need to release that carbon dioxide, get it out. But actually, carbon dioxide, if you really look at the way the body was designed and created, that carbon dioxide plays an essential role in utilizing the oxygen within our body. And here's a really important thing that this book has taught me is that we have to remember when it comes to how we've been taught about carbon dioxide, about releasing it, getting it out of our body, taking in deep breaths so we can oxygenate our cells and our tissue. I'll get to that, our oxygenation levels here in just a second. But we've been taught a little bit incorrectly, a little bit backwards about this, because when carbon dioxide levels are too low, it changes the pH in your blood. So the pH makes red blood cells or hemoglobin. It makes those red blood cells, that hemoglobin, less able to release oxygen within your cells. So it's actually backwards. If you're thinking about releasing carbon dioxide and getting a lot more oxygen in, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what you want to be doing, which is oxygenating your body more as your red blood cells release that oxygen out into your body. Okay, so this is a problem because as we know, oxygen is the fuel for our cells. And without enough of it, our cells can't perform their duties. They can't be optimal. And they become more suspect to sickness and disease, and they can't create as much energy, just like we talk about all the time. But here's the key, and I want you guys listening in to really understand this. To improve blood flow and body oxygenation, we need to breathe less, not more. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's because a lot of the times, because of our stress, because of the way we eat, because of lack of exercise, because of lack of sleep, a lot of, you know, a lot of us tend to be like that. And because of that, it kind of, people are running around in fight or flight all the time. They're holding their breath, they're not breathing right, and they're kind of just really either from their mouth, maybe not from their nose, and it's just, they're breathing a whole lot more because they're in fight or flight. They're having to like, 
they're just in this kind of this fight or flight uh, sympathetic mode. But if you're at peace, if you're relaxed, if you're focused, if your cells are kind of charged and the pH is right, it's very slow. It's kind of utilizing less adrenaline, less cortisol, you know, utilizing less energy. It's almost energy conserving as you breathe a little less. That's what I think about when I think about breathing less. I'm so glad you agree with that because I had no idea what you were going to say because I think even within the biohacking community or within the health community, the answer you hear all the time is to breathe more. If you talk to a lot of people doing yoga or a lot of people in the medical community, what they say is take deep breaths all the time during the day. And what that's going to do is engage your parasympathetic nervous system. And what most people think it's doing is oxygenating your body more. But most tests out there show you that your oxygen is already at peak level, somewhere between 92 to 98 percent already. So breathing more, breathing deeply all the time is not going to oxygenate us anymore. Right. I think the deep breaths during the day is for like, you know, hey, look, you know, if you're stressed, whatever, and all of a sudden you're aware, like, man, I'm really stressed, you know, pausing to do a deep breath, whatever, you know, can relax you. The communities that have been a part of it's really important to kind of just be conscious of your breathing. There's something to say to be conscious because, you know, we're breathing very autonomously. And when you can consciously know that, hey, look, I'm aware that there's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I'm going to pause for a moment, breathe a little slower. And just really consciously feel the breath coming in and out of my heart, in and out of my gut, or wherever. That's awesome. I'm so glad you agree with that. You know, the problem is our breathing, correct breathing that I'm talking about, has become extremely tough, almost impossible in our society today. And many of us just feel like the body knows. You know, we have these indicators, or as Patrick McEwen talks about in the book, these signals that go off that say, if you're holding your breath, there's a buildup of carbon dioxide in the body it needs to release. And so we just intuitively think that the body knows how much air it needs at all times or when to release that. But unfortunately, it's not the case because we've altered our world today, guys, so dramatically that a lot of us, it sounds crazy, but a lot of us have forgotten how we were designed to breathe. And the process of breathing, as you just alluded to, has been really changed by chronic stress, even sedentary lifestyles, unhealthy diets. And it leads to weight gain, sleeping problems, breathing conditions, even heart disease, especially for us as guys out there. So if you think about one example he gave in the book that I loved, if you think about an overweight tourist and an Olympian that both show up carrying their bags you know, at the games, they pick up their luggage, they start going up a flight of stairs to their hotel room, whatever. Who do you think is going to be breathing a lot harder? Certainly not the Olympian, right? He's going to be controlled and breathing light, but the out of shape person is going to be just huffing and puffing and breathing really hard. And that's a perfect example of someone who is in shape and fit and breathing the right way can sustain that more relaxed breathing, almost as the book says, to where you don't even see the person next to you breathing. There's no physical sign at all that air is coming in or out of them because it's so controlled. Yeah, controlled breathing is so key. Uh, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago with my brother-in-law, who's a strength and conditioning coach at CrossFit Central downtown Austin. Great guy. If you guys are down there, go check him out, Tio Ledesma. We were talking about this, and it can be counterproductive. And a lot of the people that he trains, you know, he not only trains them physically, but there's a mental and all these other kind of quadrants. But yeah, breath work is so important, especially when you're working out, that it is controlled. And then, of course, done at certain times. And so, yeah, key indeed, man. Key indeed. So I think this is just fascinating. I mean, I was listening to this on the audio book. It was blowing me away. Just the fact that we breathe too much. I mean, just for you guys listening out there that may not be privy to this information, we breathe too much. How has that ever been considered a problem in our society? But a few signs for you guys out there that you might be over breathing is the biggest one that the book talks about is mouth breathing. So do you breathe through your mouth at times as you go about your day? You just kind of catch yourself, that witness, that inner witness within you catches yourself just breathing through your mouth. Or you probably see people, coworkers, whatever, breathing through their mouth. What about at night, especially? Do you breathe through your mouth as you sleep? I would say probably for all of us, that's yes. 
Do you snore? Do you breathe more from your chest or than from your abdomen? Is it visibly noticeable when you're breathing? Do you run out of breath during a client meeting or as you know, as you're doing some of these clinics and stuff, Emilio, are you catching yourself like constantly having to catch more breath? Those are all signs that you're not breathing in the way that is the most optimal. So when we talk about oxygen delivery, I mentioned that hemoglobin, how it releases oxygen in the presence of carbon dioxide. That's so important for us to remember because without carbon dioxide, without the right amounts, such as when we're over breathing, right? When we're trying to breathe real fast and release our breath out, too much carbon dioxide is washed from the lungs, the blood, the tissues, the cells. And what happens is it, it causes that hemoglobin to hold on to the oxygen resulting in reduced oxygen release and therefore reduced oxygen delivery through all of your muscles, tissues, organs, and all of that. So with less oxygen, you know the story. They can't, the muscles can't work. Cells can't work as effectively as they should. And it is counterintuitive as this may seem or as backwards as this may seem. The urge to take bigger, deeper breaths, guys, when we hit that wall during exercise does not provide the muscles with more oxygen, but it actually reduces your oxygenation even further. Wow, that is really interesting. And, you know, almost kind of a natural response because you're like, oh, I got to gasp for some air. I'm very interested. I mean, tell me more. What I guess what should you do or what does it recommend maybe in this book? Yeah, there's some crazy stuff in this book. That's why I was so blown away by it and wanted to get it out to you guys. This goes back for years, guys. This is not just some new fad, some new made up thing. In fact, back in the early 1900s, Christian Bohr, which is the father of the Nobel Prize winning physicist Niels Bohr that you guys may have heard about out there. He created the Bohr effect, which is basically the component that this book, The Oxygen Advantage, talks about. What he said in The Bohr Effect is the carbon dioxide pressure of the blood is to be regarded as an important factor in the inner respiratory metabolism. So if you use carbon dioxide in appropriate amounts, the oxygen that's taken up in your body can be used more effectively all throughout the body. So the story on this, guys, that we need to know is that hemoglobin is part of our blood that is responsible for carrying out that oxygen all throughout our body, through the lungs, through the tissues, through the cells, as I mentioned, and to optimize our energy, which we all want to do, we've got to get really good at helping that hemoglobin release oxygen. And so what that requires is proper levels of carbon dioxide, not releasing all of that carbon dioxide as we've been taught in the past. So what overbreathing does, if you're hearing me on this, guys, is it disrupts that level and actually leads to less oxygen being released. Wow. So, I mean, for our listeners, whether you're driving in the car, you know, you're running, you're working out, or you're just sitting at home, you know, how are you breathing now? And maybe starting to really breathe a little slower than normal and seeing if you can consciously do that. You know, when I think about this, because one of my certifications is a heart math coach, and I think we've talked about heart math in some past episodes, you know, one of the ways in which to get into a state of high performance, which is a state of consciousness known as heart coherence, you have to actually lower your breath. You actually have to have a little slower breath and a little deeper than normal, concentrating on the heart, you know, then activating and renewing a, a renewing response. But that slower breath, that deeper breath, and of course, the thoughts of a, a renewing emotion will put you into the state of consciousness where your mind and body are connected. So when we think about lowering the breath, this is one of the things that also comes into my mind. You know, you talked about the blood and good for the cells. Well, it's also good for a lot of different systems in your body because when you do breathe a little slower and a little bit deeper than normal, not this fast pace through the mouth, you're able to have your connection or this balance or more in sync with your mind and body. Your mind and body are more in sync, more connected, more in balance with each other, which then increases systems like your circulatory system, your nervous system, balances your hormonal system. And not to cut you off here at all, but I think it's really important 
based on what you're talking about, which is 100% factual, and what I'm talking about, which is 100% factual, but they're doing two certain things. This tells us how complex the body systems are. Correct. When you're doing yeah. your heart math stuff and you're talking about the deep, I've heard you mention twice now, deep breaths. In the Oxygen Advantage book, that's slower, actually... slower, slower breaths, slower breaths. Yeah, slower. They're like a slower. Like slower and deeper, you've mentioned, but that's actually in the Oxygen Advantage. That's what we don't want to do in order to saturate more of our, you know, have our hemoglobin release more oxygen. So oh. a lot of your coaching is going to be around engaging the parasympathetic nervous system, head and heart, body and mind connection. Those breaths are going to do that. But when we're specifically talking about oxygenating our cells and our tissue, those deeper breaths are actually doing the reverse of what we're trying to do. And so that's why I said this may sound a little bit controversial because you've probably heard you guys out there listening have probably heard people all your life or, or since you've tapped into this, say, take deep breaths to be more relaxed, to be more engaged in you know the moment, meditation, all those sort of things. This is way different, though, than saturating your tissues and cells with oxygen versus depleting all of that oxygen out or a lot of it and then getting these bad breathing patterns in. So I just wanted to make that distinction that what you're that. saying and what you're working with clients on in that is absolutely correct. This has a different focus, though, which shows, again, how complex our systems are. I think you put it there just right. Yeah. In terms of the complexity of our systems, you know, when I think about I think you had mentioned correct me if I'm wrong, when you were talking about some breath resistance as well. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the exercises in the book have you put your hand on your chest and on your stomach to give you some pressure, almost like someone sitting on your chest and to breathe as lightly as you can over like a five to 10 minute period with that pressure on your chest to teach you how to breathe more lightly. It reminds me a few years ago, I used to have this uh, thing called the power lung. Have you heard about the power lung? I've heard about it. I don't have any experience with it though. Yeah. So I had the power lung a few years ago and it was basically just that. It was this little device, you know, you had a little mouthpiece and it was basically some breath resistance where you can turn up or down the resistance and you would just practice it. It would kind of build the lung capacity, your breath capacity, and it would, you know, increase my VO2 max, whatever. And it might be, again, different than I'm talking about here, what we're trying to talk about. But No, it's exactly what we're talking about, increasing VO2 max. Yeah, it definitely increased my VO2 max. Actually, I think it's in storage somewhere. I would love to pull it out again. But I guess that's also the mask that they're wearing, you know, to work out. Yeah. Same thing, right? Right. And a lot of the book does talk about simulating high altitude training, almost like bringing the mountain to you. You know, we don't have to always go to the mountains, but we can bring the mountain to us through simulated mm -hmm. breath holds, those sort of things. So let me kind of explain to you guys. Here's how just kind of a real quick way for you guys to see how comfortable you are with carbon dioxide. And I think this is so important, especially for you athletes out there, people who want to breathe better, especially at night when you're sleeping that I'm going to go into here in just a second. But he calls it your body oxygen level test or bolt. So your bolt score is where you take a normal breath through your nose, you breathe out, and this is so important, that you go read the book for more information on this, but it's so important that when you guys are holding your breath and checking this score, that you're doing it on the out breath, not taking in a lot of air and then trying to hold, but on the out breath through your nose, you plug your nose, you time how many seconds you can hold your breath before you feel the first definite desire to breathe. So not like a max hold where you're like, you know, maxed out and you're gasping for air whenever you finally, you know, let go of your nose or start breathing again, but more like somewhere around a six or a seven. 20 is considered a normal starting point. So a lot of athletes will score around 20 when they start doing this training. 40 seconds is the ideal bolt score for a healthy individual. And every five seconds that you increase on this, you're supposed to have a lot more gains in energy, feeling better, reduced breathlessness during exercise, all of those sort of things. So I'd encourage you guys on that. Just take a regular breath, blow it out, hold your nose. And when you first feel the definite desire to breathe, again, not a max hold, but the de first definite desire to breathe, 
regain that breath again and start breathing normal. And you should be able to be back at normal breathing. If you have, have to gasp just a little bit, you should be back at normal breathing within like two or three breaths. Time yourself and start doing several of those a day. And just remember that 20 is pretty much where athletes are when they start this. But someone who's really training at this and has optimal breath control, they won't feel that diaphragm spasm a little bit or that first breath needing impulse until 40 seconds in. So I'll just kind of put a bow on this, guys. There's so much, so much in the book. And I'm just so excited for you guys to comment in if you go and get the book. But the point is, guys, breathing tip number one is we've got to breathe through our nose. We can't breathe through our mouths. And there's so much about uh, nitric oxide and the way that your nose warms up the air differently than your mouth, the path that your air takes down into your body that's differently when you breathe through the mouth and the nose. So we got to breathe through our nose all the time. Abdominal breathing is important. That's what your nose allows you to do versus chest breathing, which is what your open mouth will allow you to do. And we got to remember that stress is equal to rapid chest breathing, which is just like fight or flight, like you mentioned at the first of the show, Emilio. And the last thing I'll mention here is it should be effortless breathing. Again, someone sitting right beside you should not hear you or even see your body moving, even though you can slightly feel your abdomen, you know, expanding and contracting. But here's the craziest thing. I started reading this and it talked about how much we breathe through our mouth at night when we don't even realize it and we get not so great of a sleep. So what it suggested to do, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I promise you guys, if you try it, I think you're going to have restful sleep. I've been doing it all week long. Take some micro pour. 3M paper tape. You can just go right on amazon.com and buy that. So all week long as I've gone to bed, I have taped my mouth shut, which kind of feels weird and you look goofy at first. My wife laughs at me. Tape your mouth shut at night to where you have to breathe through your nose all night long. And you will be amazed after a night or two of doing that, not only how much more you're breathing through your nose during the day, because your brain's getting trained that way because you do it all night, but also how rested you are because you're not doing the mouth breathing. I think it's going to blow some of you guys away whenever you try it. I just feel so much better rested this week as I'm going to sleep and will continue to try to increase my bolt score, continue to hold my breath somewhere between seven and 10 times a day just to try to test out my bolt score. And then in the book, it even tells, as I mentioned, about how to bring the mountain to you when you're out just walking or exercising, how to do certain breath holds to where you are simulating high altitude oxygen training, bringing the mountain to you but getting your body more saturated with oxygen, but more importantly, teaching your body that those triggers for carbon dioxide release actually don't have to occur as fast as they do to where you need to let out a bunch of air, gasp in for a bunch of air. You're just going to retain that oxygen. That hemoglobin is going to take it on through your body more. And we just all have to start breathing a lot better for our optimal health. Fascinating book. Hope you guys go out and grab it. Awesome. I'm so glad that you brought that book up. To my awareness right now, man, I'm definitely going to try to increase my bolt score and the tape. I'm definitely going to do that. I saw that on your Instagram, you doing that. And so that's awesome. I've heard about it. I just never done it before. So I'm definitely going to try that tonight because, you know, I don't know if I open my mouth during the day. I mean, I, think, I mean, at night anyway. Yeah, we probably all do because as our body makes our breath slow down, if, especially if we're breathing the wrong way during the day, which let's face it, nowadays we do your body is automatically going to help open up your mouth to in the middle of your sleep when you don't even know it to get more air in. But really, again, we're just doing the backwards part of this. And one more time, I'll say this because I hope you guys don't hear me wrong on this. If you are doing it for relaxation, meditation, engaging the parasympathetic nervous system, a lot of the coaching you're doing, Emilio, those deeper breaths really do engage that. What I'm referring to more, can't stress it enough, is breathing extremely slowly and not deep. Again, getting that bolt score up, getting those signals for the release of carbon dioxide to stretch out even longer to where your body saturates itself with more oxygen. Because I know I'm going to get some kickback on this where people are like, man, I've been told my whole life to breathe deep and breathe relaxed. Yes, that's true. But that is not saturating your tissue with oxygen like some of you guys <laughs> think it is. 
And carbon dioxide is so important on other levels. I'm reading a book by Dr. Jerry Tennant called Healing is Voltage. And one of the things that carbon dioxide is also good is for uh, creating stomach acid, which is definitely needed. And a lot of people who have allergies or acid reflux sometimes are not making enough stomach acid. And carbon dioxide is one of the six things that creates stomach acid that you need. I think it was like zinc, magnesium, B1, salt, water, carbon dioxide. Maybe there's another one. But carbon dioxide was definitely one of them in terms of making stomach acid, be able to break down a lot of the proteins into amino acids so that these proteins don't go into the small intestine and start to create allergies for you or your immune system fighting this foreign body, which is really all about not having the essential uh, stomach acid needed. And carbon dioxide was one of the things that you need to build that. So carbon dioxide is definitely needed, not only in what we're talking about, but in other areas as we talk about our complex body. So awesome, man. Yeah, exactly. And we're just taught our whole life to just get, you know, breathe out and then gasp in all this, you know, warm <laughs> oxygen and we're going to feel better and relax. And yes, that's true. But man, it was just mind blowing to me because I'd never studied a whole lot on carbon dioxide. I had about oxygen yeah. and all of that and relaxation, but it's pretty awesome. Well, awesome, man. I love reading books, man. And it's crazy. Everyone I talk to, it's like, it's like I have an Evernote uh, notebook that has all the books that I need to read. And it's like, you know, as soon as I get time, I'll get to it. But it's like the, it just keeps adding on because there's so many great books out there. I'm going to add this one to the list. One of the books that I actually just recommended to a client of mine, given what he's going through last week was, uh, and we might've talked about it in other episodes, but it's a book called Thresholds of the Mind. Right. So you know the, the author of this book, because he's the author of Bill Harris, which is the Holosync guy. So this is his book actually. And he's, it's all about the nine principles for conscious living, because just like a lot of my potential clients or even clients coming on board, very unconscious living. And what I mean by that is that they don't know what's important to them. They don't know what life is asking of them, you know, their values and vocation. And so one of the things that we talked about with the breath even is being a witness. You talked about being a witness to your breath and whether it's with more oxygen or less with the carbon dioxide that we talked about already, you know, witnessing, okay, well, how am I breathing right now? And consciously being aware of that. And so that's actually, you know, this witnessing part is actually one of the uh, nine principles for conscious living. So for people who have, haven't heard about it, there's nine. One of them is witnessing. This is the ability to step outside and watch yourself. And it's kind of an acquired skill and a practice develop. A lot of times I'll tell my clients to kind of, um, you know, pretend like there's a video crew following you throughout the day. And, you know, what are you going to be that can maybe hear and, you know, hear your thoughts and can see, obviously, your movements and what you're saying and how you're being throughout the day and see and notice kind of how you are, you know, showing up. And it's a very powerful thing. It's a really good skill for the antidote to resistance. The other eight are let whatever happens be okay. The second one is threshold. We all have personal thresholds uh, for what you can handle from your environment, the level of which depends on how your personal map of reality is constructed. And so like all dysfunctional feelings and behaviors are really attempts to cope with being over that threshold. And so we all have a threshold. The third one or the fourth one that they talk about is chaos and reorganization. This is kind of why I called my company the Cross Phoenix Coaching is because that's all kind of an essential part of the growth process. And instead of distracted or suppressed, it really should be welcomed. And it represents both, you know, this dying of the old and, and rebirth of the new. So sometimes people are like, oh, man, I've been changing and doing a lot of stuff, but it seems very chaotic and, you know, because things are reorganizing. And so they talk about, you know, this chaos and reorganization. The other ones are the map is not the territory. You know, a lot of the time, if you're looking at a map, you know, there's a territory associated with it. If I look up your address on the map, okay, this is your address, right, Jared? Okay, there's an actual territory with that, right? So I can go over there and there's a physical location there that's true. Well, we have this internal map of reality that we think is true, but there are really our thoughts and our thoughts only. And we think that's reality, but it's obviously that map has been constructed based on what we were fed our entire life. The other conscious living principle 
or the last three here is uh, responsibility is empowerment, conscious change, and good and bad generalizations. And I think I'm missing one here, the neutral universe. So real quick, guys, the nine are let whatever happens to be okay, threshold, chaos and reorganization, the map is not the territory, responsibility as empowerment, conscious change, witnessing, good and bad generalizations, and the neutral universe. You know, this is one of the books that, you know, while we're on the topic of books, a really good one to kind of elevate your you know, your awareness so that you can make you know, better decisions in your life and really to know more about yourself like we were talking about earlier. That's pretty fascinating. All of those things and those things are, you know, things that are going to help us be more in line with peak performance and living optimal. So obviously, if you're bringing this book up, it's been it's had a big impact on you. This is the second time you've mentioned it. How do you see it working in real life examples in your own life, in your client's life as you adhere to those principles or you study those principles to really help move the needle for you guys? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, man. So this has definitely helped me along with numerous other books and things that I've done. I read this a few years ago and I've read it again a couple of years ago. You know, it keeps coming up. And of course, there's different, a lot of books out there that will say the same thing. It's just in different language, right? There's a lot of great ones out there. I like the language in here. It really resonated with me. You know, even just the first principle, this let whatever happens be okay. When we talk about peak performance, we talk about, you know, helped me or the application of all this. Let's take the first one. Let whatever happens be okay. How many times are we trying to control stuff or like something happens? You know, a lot of times we have these expectations in life, in business, in relationships. And when it doesn't go our way, it sucks. We're like, ah, you really just created your own suffering. You set an expectation. You were attached to it. And then it didn't go your way. And then you suffer from that. Right. But you're the one who caused that. The amount you suffer in life is directly related to how much you are resisting the fact that things are the way that they are. You know, I'm a very spiritual person. You know, part of my practice is, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. For me, I think Rainhold Neighbor said this. It's this, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's kind of really encompassing to let whatever happens be okay. Let the river take you. You know, this whole thing of, you know, relax, nothing is under control. And speaking of counterproductive, people are like, what? You know, they want to have this like, relax, everything's under control. But no, let's flip it. Relax, nothing is under control. Let whatever happens be okay. And so even that one principle, the first principle, has really changed my life past few years completely. I can totally relate to the resilient part of that is, you know, oxidative stress is when our bodies are under so much stress over time. But you can see yourself or look back at life and see yourself getting stressed in situations that other people, maybe older, wiser, been there, done that type people, they're just going through it, man. And it's like, hey, it is what it is. We're going to get through it. It's not the end of the world. And I remember whenever I was younger, I would look at people like that and go, man, what do you mean? Like, this is a big deal. You just don't understand, you know, whatever. And it's like, but something about their response, let me know, okay. They've got this all figured out way more than I do. Why are they not stressing out about stuff? And part of that is just becoming more resilient. As stress comes on us, we learn to deal with it more. We learn to deal with it better. And I think, you know, just letting it happen mm -hmm. the way it's going to happen yeah. and just knowing that, hey, you know, most of the stuff that we worry about doesn't even come close to being nearly as bad or even happening in the negative way that we thought it would. But yet we get all tangled up with this stress. And, it, you know, it's a journey. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. But we have to teach ourselves how to be more resilient and let come or just surf on the wave, like you've mentioned before. When that wave comes, learn how to surf on yeah, it. Right, just right. Ride the wave and you're going to feel a whole lot better not worrying about the deep, small details. You're right. And it's definitely about that journey. It takes time. And these nine principles are kind of that time and journey that you start to slowly 
you know, it's that muscle. Slowly build that muscle to you're more conscious and more conscious and more conscious. You know, the second one, the threshold is kind of like what we're talking about now. We all have a personal threshold for what we can handle from our environment. You know, the level which depends on how your personal map of reality is constructed. And so let's say your threshold, I don't know, let's say one of 10 is, let's say, let's just put a five out there, right? A lot of times when there's a lot of stress in the environment and it goes over our threshold, there's three ways that people deal with that overwhelm, if you will. They either dissipate energy, block energy, or distraction. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of input from the environment. A lot of people that get stressed and, and things, pat, they get overwhelmed because it's past their threshold. The first one, dissipate energy. These are the people who like to stress out, they, um, to release stress, they got to go and work out. They got to go and just like get all that energy out. There was too much energy built up into your system. And so they got to go and exercise and release it all, get it all out until they're finally at that balance. And then it also kind of goes below their threshold. That's one of the ways that people deal with it. Another person can deal with it by blocking it. These are the people who will, if there's too much overwhelm in their system, it's past their threshold. They will, you know, go home and maybe watch a movie and curl up into a ball and just, you know, bl block any other input coming in. You know, people, anything, they need to be alone and kind of block out any more input from the environment, blocking that energy until that level of overwhelm goes below their threshold again. And then the other people are just distracts themselves. And this could be kind of bad too. This is, you know, with the addictions and drug, alcohol, sex, and all this other kind of stuff where they're just kind of distracting themselves until they kind of forget about it and it kind of slowly goes down. But of course it's building up. And these are all, you know, sometimes you can have all of them, but this is again, being aware, okay, well, which one are you? And which one do you want to be in? Or how do you, you know, on a more healthy way, get rid of that overwhelm, right? Whether, and really, those healthy ways, there's everything that we've been talking about in our podcasts, whether it was on the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, what have you, what would you like to choose? You know, these are all the old bad habits. What new habits do you want? And maybe look at some of our podcasts, right, and to really start to incorporate, you know, once you're conscious of what you do, what do you want to do? And just a great way to continue to know yourself better so that you can consciously choose what do I need to remove and what do I need to put in? whether it's, you know, the breathing techniques that we talked about and the other things we've been talking about in other podcasts. So think about that, guys, and I'd love to hear what you guys are removing and what you guys are putting back in your life. Absolutely, guys. He is Emilio Palafox. I'm Jared Warren. You can reach us on email, reaching Emilio at Emilio at CrossPhoenixCoaching.com, or you can catch my team here at Info at Success101Podcast.com, or catch us in the world of social media. We hope you guys continue to move toward peak performance and living more optimal as we crush 2017 and what a journey it's been with you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for your comments. We'd love to hear how you guys are using these topics in your own lives, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Until then.